Welcome to the Psych Central Show, where each episode presents an in-depth look at issues from the fields of psychology and mental health. With your host, Gabe Howard, and featuring Vincent M. Wales. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Psych Central Show. Today, we have a guest with us, Julie Fast. Julie, hello. Hi, Vince. Hi, Gabe. Hi there. All right, Julie, go ahead and tell us about yourself. Who is Julie Fast? Well, I can say that where I am in life is actually unexpected. I thought I would either be a photographer or a Broadway star, and then bipolar disorder got in the way. So at age 17, I started having symptoms of the illness, but I wasn't diagnosed till I was 31. So Gabe, you and I are pretty similar, I think, in our experiences. And I then took my performing desire and my love of writing and being on stage and turned it into a writing career in mental health. And that's how I got where I am today. And Julie, you... A lot of folks that we have on the show, you know, they're, we're bloggers. We we write articles for magazines. But you, you're you're a published author that sold. If please correct me if I'm wrong, well over a hundred thousand copies of what five books? Well, I started a little bit differently than that. In 2002, I actually had the first website ever to sell download psychology books. So I actually started in eBooks, and I had the idea to sell my bipolar disorder treatment plan online and really got in at the right moment. The first month Google AdWords started. So for many, for about three years, I did download books only and answered thousands of emails where, where I got a lot of information. Then I was contacted by a publishing company to write a book, and that's when I wrote Loving Someone with Bipolar Disorder. So that was my fourth book, because I'd done three books that I published myself. And then I wrote Take Charge of Bipolar Disorder and Get It Done When You're Depressed. So I, the blogging, I actually had the first bipolar blog from, I, I'm pretty sure, and then did the first column writing for BP Magazine that I know you love as well. So it all started for eBooks with me. We didn't even have Facebook. We had, we didn't have newsletters. We hardly had anything. It started with eBooks. Well, the, here's a, here's a great story that I've probably never told you before, Julie, but when I was first diagnosed with bipolar disorder, uh, I was, I was dating and, and eventually uh, that woman and I got married and she went and bought your book. She went to a Borders bookstore, which existed back then uh, and 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 bought Julie a fast book loving someone with bipolar disorder and she read it and then I read it and we read it together and this would be you know four years before I got healthy and, and as a good 10 years before I ever reached out to to meet you so it, for me I'm kind of fanboying because that's just really cool <laughs> it's <laughs> thanks Gabe well, well thank the, you it's interesting because if you look at my backstory which some people know and maybe a lot of people don't I actually was married two times, both from manic episodes, but both to wonderful men. And the second person I married turned out to have bipolar disorder, and neither one of us knew that we had it. And he got sick first. So I had to go through the entire, unfortunately, police, forced hospitalization, court, guardianship, etc. And that's why I am such an advocate for partners and family members, because I had to go through that process. 
And that's what loving someone with bipolar is about. And it has two points of view, of course, because it's I have the illness and then I was in a relationship for 10 years with a wonderful person who has bipolar one. And so in terms of book sales, believe it or not, Loving has sold about 300,000 copies. Oh, I was way off. Yeah. So and then the other books, probably about 100,000. So probably about around 400,000 copies of books. And that shows you how much people need these books. It, it does. And for those folks that don't know, because, you know, we hear Harry Potter sold, you know, 20 billion copies. So we, we don't think that 400,000 copies is a lot. It's it's a tremendously huge amount, especially for a book like that. I mean, it's mm -hmm. it, it's just you're amazing at what you do. And, and you're right. The, the book is still popular to this day, right? It, it's still yes. for sale. And it is. And one thing I noticed about your work as well, Gabe, and I think this is why you and I get along so well and we're so similar. We write non-dated material. So that means what we write today will still be relevant in 10 years. I believe in writing books that are not dated. So they are not set in a specific time period. And that's why I think my six books that are my bipolar books are still being published. My first one was written in 1998. And then I, my last one that's been in this field was 2008, the books don't change. You know, if I look at your videos and your blogs and your writing for BP Magazine and the work you do for Psych Central, it's what I call seminal because this illness is the same for all of us. We manifest differently in many ways, but we still get manic, psychotic, depressed, and anxious in the same way. So if authors like you and myself can write books that speak directly to how to manage this illness, they can stay on the market for 30 years. I agree. And if I ever get off my behind and, and finish my book, I, I hope that I last 30 years. You will do it. If it is something that speaks to the bipolar disorder and mental health community in a way that's hopeful but realistic and offers a management plan that is free and can be used by everybody, why wouldn't people use it? We need it desperately. I couldn't agree more. And right now, Vin is going to ask you, what book is your baby? But let him ask it first. Uh. <laughs> okay then, so what book is your baby? So my treatment plan, which is called the Health Cards Treatment System for Bipolar Disorder, it's the only one, I only sell it online. I never wanted to publish it because I have more control over eBooks than I do published books. That one is what saved my life, but by far my favorite book is Get It Done When You're Depressed because I think so many mental health books talk about ending mental illness and let's freedom from depression and all of this. And my reality, and Gabe, I know you are the same. I don't get a lot of freedom from my symptoms. I'm 90% better than I used to be, but I always say the 10% that remain are pretty awful. <laughs> and so Get It Done When You're Depressed is a book on how to do things when the depression is there. Like, how do you get out of bed? How do you brush your teeth and tie your shoes when you're catatonic? How do you go to a job? How do you play with your four-year-old nephew? And that's my favorite book, Get It Done When You're Depressed. Julie, awesome. I've, I've heard you call bipolar disorder the garbage pail illness. Can you elaborate on that? You have a good memory, Gabe. <laughs> I call it the garbage pail illness because basically we have four main psychiatric disorders. We have mood disorders, which include unipolar depression and bipolar. We have anxiety disorders, which have about seven different modalities in there. We have psychotic disorders and we have personality disorders. Now, here's what's interesting. And Gabe, you know this because you have the illness, but maybe our listeners don't know this. Did you know that bipolar disorder shares symptoms with all four of those main psychiatric disorders? So when we are manic, we are narcissistic. There's a personality disorder. When we have dysphoric mania, for example, we're often very anxious. There's your anxiety disorder. And we often get psychotic. 
For example, my true diagnosis is actually schizoaffective disorder, but I was diagnosed in 95 and I wrote my books before I learned more about schizoaffective. That's for those of us who have psychosis. So there is your psychosis. I call it the garbage pail illness because basically all the symptoms are just thrown in a can and mixed up for us. And here's a question for you, Gabe. Yes. Are there any medications on the market that were specifically created for bipolar disorder? No, they're all accidents. You're exactly right. <laughs> Off-label use. That's why it's a garbage pail illness. And why do you think that is? Why do we have to use medications from other places? What happens to us, the majority of us, if we take medications that aren't good for us? What mood swing do we experience? Oh, it shoves you right into mania. Mania. We mania. can't get a control on this mania. So they can't find a drug that's for bipolar disorder because... We have four main symptoms, mania, depression, anxiety, and psychosis. That's why we take drugs from those four categories instead of having one drug. Now, lithium is the one drug that can help all those symptoms, which is assault, right? Yep. But because of side effects and kidney problems, not everyone can take it. And of course, there are people who don't agree with meds. I happen to be a believer, manage the illness as best you can, and what's left over, use meds. We here at the Psych Central Show are, we believe in two main points. Uh, one is that recovery is possible for everyone, and two, recovery is self-defined. If you are living well, that. then whatever method you are using is by definition the correct one for you. I love we, that. We talk about on the show stigmatizing other people's journeys. And when you say to somebody, oh, you take medicine, you're doing it wrong. Well, that's, there's enough discrimination of people with mental illness without us discriminating each other. And, you know, Vin and I talk about this a lot, a lot, probably more than we need to. But we're a team. <laughs> and if we work as a team, and I think that's what social media is having to teach us. It is so easy for us to put our opinions online and tell others what to do. I want us to work together. So people who don't believe in meds, I want to understand them more and help them see that as a person who does believe in meds, I need them to meet me halfway. But then that, that means I have to meet them halfway. So I'm willing to be open to a dialogue on how we can work together as a team with all our different opinions. Julie, you and I, we work together a, a lot on social media. And one of the things that both of us do, and, and in different ways, but we try to teach people the idea that disagreement does not equal disrespect. You and I don't agree on everything, and yet you and I get along wonderfully because we have mutual respect for one another. It's okay not to agree. And some members of the mental health community and the community at large would would really be good to, to heed that advice. But remember, though, Gabe, we have mental illness. So isn't it natural that we're going to be dogmatic at certain mood swings and that we're going to be easily hurt and that we have some trauma in our lives that is triggered by social media? So one of my close friends, his name is Pax, and he's an occupational therapist who does cranial sacral therapy. And one day he helped me a lot over when I we'll talk about this but I had a bike accident in 2012 and he helped me with a brain injury he said Julie what if we educate instead of arguing and it changed everything for me so instead of getting that horrible sinking feeling when someone says I hate your work and you should die I think what did I just write that brought out that response can I be more compassionate to how I've triggered that person? It doesn't mean what I wrote was wrong. And it's working for me because I'll write them and say, all right, what did I just write that upset you so much? And then we can have a dialogue. But I had to get past my beating heart 
and my fear and my upset when people go after me. And that's taking a lot of work. But you're right. It's about respect. So, Julie, since you brought it up, let's uh, let's talk about that bike accident. I've uh, I have some experience with that myself, kind of oh, messed up my life a good bit. So let's hear about your story. What happened to you, Vincent? Did you have a? It, well, it was I was 14. I was in a um, a bike a thon to raise money for cystic fibrosis, as I recall. I remember that. And um, yeah, those were fun, except when you wreck, <laughs> and then they're not fun at all. And I, I uh, threw my hips out of line, and over the years, it's just become a very bad back and neck problem. And that's what happened to me. So I, Gabe, you and I talk about this a lot, and you are one of my role models on this. I have a lot of trouble with my weight. And it has 50% to do with medications and 50% to do with lifestyle. So in 2012, when I had my accident, I was a heavy-duty walker. I walked about 30 miles a week. And I started to cross train because that was a thing to do. So I got a mountain bike. I am a rabid believer in helmets. But believe it or not, I got a new bike and I decided to check the height of the seat. And I did not put on my helmet. So I was, I was on my own street just checking the seat height and went to just sort of jump a curb because I'm sort of a daredevil. And my brakes weren't there. They had slid to the middle. So I hit a curb full on with no helmet. I was my, the handlebars hit my pelvis, dislocated my pelvis is what we think. Then I flipped over, did a full flip on the bike, landed on my right side. We think that's what put my pelvis back in. Then I bounced and landed on my left side. I got a right temporal lobe brain injury that wasn't found for three years and my hip still semi-dislocates. I live with chronic pain that turned into fibromyalgia and I think it's, even though it's been traumatic, it also was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me because for almost two years, I wasn't able to walk and I lived in an anti-gravity chair and I had to go inside and I learned to live with myself, something I had never really been able to do. I also saw my bipolar symptoms calm down like you wouldn't believe because I wasn't active socially and I learned a lot. So. Would I get better treatment? Yes. But would I say no to the bike accident? Absolutely not. It changed my life. And it also created something, which I don't know if you've heard of. I got an increase of my artistic ability from my right brain injury and started writing poetry. And that's my next book. It's a poetry. It's a book of poetry for kids with mental health disorders. And that came from the head injury. That is absolutely fascinating. That is very cool. So whenever somebody interviews you, there's there's a million directions they can go. I, I find your life absolutely fascinating. You just got back from Europe. You, you've gone on many adventures. You've, you've sold a ton of books. You've done a lot of things that I want to do, so I look up to you. But one of the things I want to really focus in on right now is one of the coolest things that I think that you have ever done. And that is you worked on a popular TV show. Can you tell us about that? Yes, and that's an interesting story because it also shows that even though everyone might read about me and see my books and all of this, the reality is is that it's all interspersed with mood swings. So my agent was contacted by Claire Danes, the actress's agent, in around 2010 and said, hey, we're trying this new show and one of the main characters has bipolar disorder. Would Julie be interested in flying to New York and talking with Claire Danes? Well, I happened to be in Michigan at the time going through with my dad, going through a horrific downswing. But I wrote, get it done when you're depressed. So I said, darn it, I'm not turning down this opportunity. 
So I flew out to Claire's town and met her, and the series was Homeland. Of course, no one knew about it then. And we sat in a bed and breakfast, and she was lovely and normal, and we talked for hours. She writes about this, uh, in, set, talks about this in interviews online about our work together. And she based the character on Carrie on Homeland after, I think it's the name is Carrie, after my book Take Charge of Bipolar Disorder. And she had a million questions about mania. We talked about her life and she was lovely. But here's the second part of the story. I then, after meeting her, went into a very serious downswing and did not tell anybody for three years that I was the consultant on that show. I got a phobia, my anxiety increased, and my worry about putting myself out in public got really bad, and I never promoted myself. So I remember walking around New York after she had left and being in such a bad downswing that I ended up doing karaoke by myself at an Applebee's. So I think this is really the reality. So I was invited to the set I could have participated in that show. It would have increased my book sales and made me much more famous if I had not waited until after she won an Emmy to tell people I was the consultant. Now, all along, she had told people I was the consultant, but something it got into my bipolar and my symptoms, but I fought through it. So now I do talk about it and I tell people. But that's the reality of those of us with mental illness. I want everybody to know that we can succeed, but to succeed without struggle is rare for us. So we have to expect the struggle and deal with that as well. That is excellent advice. Julie, you had mentioned that you are a columnist for Bipolar Magazine. Uh, I write for Bipolar Magazine online. I, I had to make sure I got my own plug in there. But where, where else can people find you on the web? So probably the best place to go is juliefast.com. I just did a speech at Oxford University in London and there's another example of, I didn't want to film myself. I gained weight after my bike accident. I was, flying makes me sick, et cetera. And I was like, darn it, I'm going anyway. So on juliefast.com, you can see a recording of that video at the Oxford Union. And I then sell my treatment plan at bipolarhappens.com. And then like you, I absolutely love BP Magazine, so bphope.com. And then the best place to communicate with me, which I do through the comments section, is my Facebook. And that's at Julie A. Fast. And I can tell you the comment section works because that's how you and I met. It sure is, Gabe. It sure <laughs> is. All right. So, Julie, if if you had one one message that you wanted to send to our listeners right now, what would it be? Mental illness, mental health disorders, as I now like to call them, are the same all over the world. The four main disorders that we deal with have similar symptoms. If we can write down our symptoms and learn what we think, say, and do in a mood swing, we can then have a list next to us to override our often unreasonable brains. This is how I learned to manage my mania. So my biggest advice is to find a system that works for you. Maybe it's my books, it's Gabe's work, etc. But unless we have symptom lists, our brains override us and tell us we're not sick. So I have everything written down, thousands of symptoms, and all of my family and friends and healthcare professionals know my process. It saved my life. Excellent. Thank you. Julie, thank you so much for coming on the show. I can't believe that 20 minutes went by it so quickly. So fast. It was awesome. Thank you so much. And to all of our listeners at psychcentral.com, we appreciate it and we will see you next week. 
PsychCentral.com is the Internet's oldest and largest independent mental health website. Psych Central is overseen by Dr. John Grohall, a mental health expert and one of the pioneering leaders in online mental health. Our host, Gabe Howard, is a professional speaker, award-winning writer, and mental health advocate. You can find more information on Gabe and his work at GabeHoward.com. Vincent M. Wales is an award-winning speculative fiction novelist and suicide prevention crisis counselor. You can find more information on Vincent at VincentMWales.com. If you have feedback about the show, please email talkback at psychcentral.com. There are few words more misunderstood and misused than OCD. Imagine having unwanted thoughts stuck in your head all day, no matter how hard you try to make them go away, and then having to pretend that everything is okay despite having to feel crippled inside. That's OCD. One in 40 people suffer from it globally, but there's hope. If you have OCD and need help, you can get better with specialized treatment. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient treatment for OCD and is covered by many major insurance plans. Go to NoCD.com to learn more. That's NoCD.com.